Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Elevate Church, my name is Pastor Pierre Duplessis, and I am so thrilled for the opportunity to step in this moment and just be with you this weekend. I want to take a moment and honor your pastor, Pastor Colby and Kristen, and um, the work that they've been doing, especially this year, has been unprecedented for us all. But here we are, still standing, still believing. And I pray that today's message will be a conversation uh, from my heart to yours and of what God has been cultivating in my soul with our church, the Father's house. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will take this message wherever you find yourself uh, this weekend, um, that you will know that God has a purpose for you to hear Uh, And His Spirit will cause you to understand. And I pray uh, that there will be an intersection, a a switch, a handprint of heaven in your heart. Let me pray for us. And I'm going to jump right on in. And again, thank you so much for having me with you this weekend. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. I thank you even though we're in a time of remote and online and uncertainty. I thank you that your spirit is not located in a building, but in living hearts. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are the one that causes our hearts to be drawn towards truth and hearing and understanding. And you give us a willingness so that our hearts will not only agree, but Father, we will take a leap of faith and a leap of obedience to walk in the ways of God. That is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, There is a scripture that I would love to share with you in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And uh, the reason why the scripture is so important because um, Bible talks about seasons and times. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 says, For everything that happens in life, there is a season, a right time for everything under the heavens. And I know God has made everything beautiful for its time. God has also placed in our minds a sense of eternity. And then it begins to speak about whatever was and what will be is already with God. And I don't know about you. Somebody in our congregation made me a t-shirt that has these words because in a time where there is so much uncertainty, what an awesome reminder what was in the past and what will be in the future already is with God. Our God is seated in power in the midst of our uncertainty. It is not his uncertainty. But I want to talk to you about trees today, which has such a parallel to seasons, growth, and time to our lives. You see, I come to discover that trees don't grow steadily. As seasons, trees don't grow in season and out of season. Trees grow seasonally, ring by ring. There was a, a, a study, a field of study called dendrochronology. It's hard to pronounce, really. And it's the study of history. It's the study of climatology and botany, the study of plants. And literally, they combine those three things to understand the growth 
of trees in seasons and in times. Because when we look at the cross cut of the tree um, that our, uh, our team has prepared for uh, this message, um, you will see that there are multiple rings on this tree. Now what is so interesting, I, take the, I took the meticulous um, time uh, to, to count every one of these lines. And what is so interesting about it, I count 46 lines and worked it back because you can find the age of a tree by beginning to count the lines, the growth lines, all the way to the center. And this tree, according to what I have counted and I understand from this study, was planted in 1975. Now, for many of you, you were not even born in 1975. Let me tell you some of the things. If this tree could have a voice and he would tell you or she would tell you of the beginning of when there was inception of this tree. In 1975, oil was $13 a barrel. It was the end of the, of the Vietnam War. Margaret Thatcher was elected the first woman opposition leader to the Conservative Party. I can tell you that, uh, remember Beta and VHS video cassettes? Many of you go like, what? Yep. Those were the wonderful days when we had to get these big old tapes and watch movies on it and rewind it and play it. And the, the movie of the year was Jaws. Isn't that amazing? Jaws was the movie of the year. And I can also tell you that it, it was an incredible season and time. That was 1975. And what they can tell us that the age of the, tr the tree, you will find that each of these growth rings are not the same width. That the width of these rings really was determined by a few factors because it speaks of the bounty of growth in that time. The wider the ring, the richer the bounty, and the, the smaller the ring, the harder that season of growth. One of the things that influences growth in a tree, they tell us is climate records. Now, when they study climate records, they study the weather patterns, they study electricity bills because that determines how much um, warm air was put into the atmosphere, aerosol, pollution, all kinds of things that determines how this tree can actually grow in that season. The second thing is, is what they call places and times. In other words, where this tree was planted and the, the season and the time around where that was planted. Why is that so important? Because when you begin to understand that logic, it is really nonsensical for one tree to look at another tree and say, look at you and look at me when they are planted in two different states and different things happen to these trees in two different states. That's why Bible says it is so... Um, such a waste of time for you to compare your life to anyone else. To look at somebody and say, man, look at them and look at me. Because you've got to realize where they are planted and where you are planted. And what is happening in time in their life and your life will determine a much different outcome in growth in your life to theirs. But you see, the lines that mark 
These growth rings either represent, as you can see in early years, large rings that talks about a bounty of growth. All in these later years of growth, you will see that they are very tiny and they're close together. We talks about that year's scar of dormancy. And, and in this tree, you can see this major big scars that this tree carries as a reminder of a full story that has happened in that tree's life. You may say, Pastor P, why, why are you sharing uh, tree information with us this weekend when so much is going on? Well, I believe there is a parallel with trees and the story of our own lives. Because you see, I believe we too, like trees in parallel grows seasonally, we do not grow bountifully all the time because you see, each season of our lives are either, either marked by flourishing, that's why we are growing, or there could be a season of dormancy and sometimes a season where we experience death. But listen, there is always a season of resurrection of whatever is going on when we stay rooted in a life-giving well of water. Because the Bible says that he who began a good work in us is able to complete it. Now I want to say to those of you who are experiencing bounty, rejoice. To those of you who are experiencing a scar of pain, I want to say to you, don't give up. For those of you who are experiencing almost a dryness and, and a hardness in your faith and a struggle of making sense of what's going on, I want to remind you that our God sits with us in every season of our lives. And scripture says he makes all things beautiful in his time. I believe a theology that teaches an ongoing bountiful growth every day, in every year, in every month, in every week is disconnected from the reality of real life. So what am I saying? I'm saying if somebody had to take a cross cut of my life and your life, they would find similar rings that tells a story of our lives in time. And we will find that what, what really influences our growth is time, places, people, and the influences that comes from time, places, and people. So how does this play out? Well, let me first go to this stump that was cut off. And I, I want to take you through some dates because, you see, I believe our lives on, is an ongoing story, a story of God's amazing grace. It is not just one chapter. It is a story of life, growth, resurrection, salvation, a story of hard times and good times, a story where God seems quiet and God is loud. In 1999, over here is when my family relocated from South Africa to the United States. In 2001 is when we planted the Father's House. Oh, actually, no, that was in 2002. And 2001 was 9-11 that forever 
changed how we live in the United States. And this tree was witness to that time. I can tell you something else. In 2007, let me just be clear, is when Apple introduced us to the iPhone. Isn't that incredible? This tree could tell the story. And then in 2012, that's when you guys planted, Pastor Colby and his wife planted Elevate Church. In 2018, I can tell you was the hardest year of my entire ministry experience. It was marked by stunted growth, personal, emotional pain of disappointment and, and, and a, a feeling of abandonment. And is this the end? And, and, and as we progress and stay rooted, we arrived to 2020. And I thought, like you, 2020, it is a beautiful number, 2020. It, it absolutely has to be a brilliant year because you can write a rap song around 2020. Oh, but we didn't know and we didn't understand that we as humans cannot predict the future, the time, the seasons, and the influences of that. But what we can plan is how we stay rooted to get through the season and for God to make beautiful what we didn't know would happen. Hey, who would have guessed that we would be in a pandemic? Who would have ever guessed that churches would be closed for almost a year? Who would have guessed that we would have presidential elections that is so interesting, is the best word I can describe, so dividing of a nation that we would have racial tension and murder Hornets that comes from some country that is invading um, our species. Who would have guessed that all these dates would have such a significant influence on our lives? But you see, here's the overarching question. In the midst of what I cannot control, in the midst of what you cannot control, how do we stay rooted and sustainable so that no matter what comes, we can get through it and know that no eye has seen or ear has heard what God still wants to do after everything that is playing in on the season of our lives. You see, for some reason, I believe when seasons depletes us and when the hillside of our souls are, are cut dry and, and, and our hearts are emptied out, how do we begin the regrowth? How do we begin to uh, cultivate seasons of wide rings and bountiful regrowth that comes from it? You see, because I believe it's so important that we understand sustainability. Because if you cut down more trees than what you plant, you empty the rivers of fish faster than they can spawn. The, the impact of that is cataclysmic on the next generation and on the cycle and the food pattern and, and the very ecosystem of life. And in the same way, I want to say that if you and I don't understand that we have to plant ourselves in a way that's sustainable, that our children and their children and, and the future and our legacy will be deeply impacted by us not understanding the high importance of living a life that is sustained through hard times. But the obvious question is, how do you sustain yourself through hard times? Psalms chapter 1, 1 to 6 in the Passion Translation. 
begins to speak of this. Some theologians call this the overarching psalm, the, the psalm of all psalms. And it says this, what delight comes to the one who follows God always. He won't walk in the step with the wicked, nor share the sinner's way, nor be found sitting in the scorner's seat. His pleasure and his passion is remaining true to the word of I am meditating day and night in the true revelation of light. Listen, the outcome. He will be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design. Deeply rooted. I want to say this again. Deeply, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss. Bringing fruit in every season of his life. He is never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, ever prosperous. Then he says this, but how different are the wicked. And when I refer to the wicked as people that have turned their hearts away from choosing to be planted in the living water and in the word and the life of God. He says, they are like dust in the wind, driven away to destruction. The wicked will not endure the day of judgment for God will not defend them. Nothing they do will succeed or endure for long for they have no part with those who walk in truth. But how different is the righteous? Who's the righteous? Those who've chosen to be planted in the living water of God, his word, his spirit, his church, community, and worship. He says, this is what he says about them. Verse 6, how different for the righteous. The Lord embraces their path as they move forward while the way of the wicked leads only to doom. But there is one thing that you and I need to understand. That we are the only creatures on the entire planet that can actually choose where we are planted. You know, I have been, I love planting things and I've never been to a nursery where one of these saplings cry out and give me the signs and the feeling of guilt and cry out, take me home and plant me in good places. You see, we have got to decide where we plant things. And in the same way, we have the choice, like nothing else on the planet, to either choose or not choose where we are planted. And by, my, by not choosing, we are actually choosing. There is a, a, a poet, David White, in, in his poem, poem, The Sun, an extraction of that, he says these words, I look out at everything, growing so wild and faithfully beneath the sky and the wonder. Listen to these words. Why we as humans, the one terrible part of creation, having the privilege to refuse our own flowering? Why are we the terrible part of creation that has the power of choice? Yet we refuse the flourishing of our own lives. That is so potent. What you're saying is that we have the choice to not plant ourselves where we know it, where it will create flowering. We choose to not be in the place that will cause a, a bountiful growth and a harvest in our own lives. Because you see the Psalms is actually giving us two choices. That we choose one thing, we've got to refuse the other. And by refusing the one, we are actually choosing the other.
Because in a way, he has already established the outcomes. And he says this to us, the first choice we can make. We can be a people that choose to walk in the counsel and the advice of people who have a disregard for God. We can stand in the way of people who have a blatant disregard to obedience. Or we can sit around the conversations of cynical people that mocks God and the gospel and and the word of God. And I want you to see the motion of movement. It's going from curiosity to interaction to conversation, which is really an absorbing of all of that toxicity that goes into the tree. He says, but there is a second choice that only you can make. He says, but there are those whose pleasure and delight is to be planted by the rivers of life. In other words, he says what they do, they delight in God's word and they meditate on it day and night. Now, I found that quite fascinating because the Hebrew word for delight is to desire that which brings pleasure. To desire that which brings pleasure. He says it's choosing to desire something you ascribe great worth to. In other words, what he is trying to tell us that we have the choice to choose, make a decision to put in the highest place of our delight what we value the most. And then he says, that delight really is an acquired appetite. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, I want you to know that our appetite has limits. Thank God it has limits. Otherwise, we will eat until we drop dead. And if your brain doesn't tell you that your appetite is full, you will eat and eat and eat. But we have a choice in what we eat. Now, my wife uh, was away last weekend with her sister. They go once a year and they spend time together. Uh, they, they rent an Airbnb and I was home alone the whole weekend. And my wife prepared, she ordered great food, prepared great meal, nutritious. And she showed me everything. And, and I said, oh, this is going to be so great. It's so nourishing. It's healthy. But uh, I'm a grown man, so I'm kind of feeling embarrassed to tell you that that I knew the food that was waiting for me that would be healthy to my body. But yet at the office, every time I get hungry, I would, I would dig into Rice Krispie cookies. And once I start, I don't finish. If you deliver a pack of 20, I will eat through the whole thing. Uh, I go to Dunkin' Donuts. I love glazed donuts. I will eat a whole bunch of things that in that moment satisfy my appetite. And when I get home and I open the refrigerator, my appetite has been satisfied with the wrong thing. And I look at the food that I know will nourish me, but I have no desire for the food that will give life to me because I have filled myself with absolute junk. But in that moment, it becomes quite senseless for me to complain that I'm not feeling well. I'm always tired. I'm picking up weight and I have headaches. When I actually choose to fill my appetite with the things that cannot give nourishing life to my body. 
You see, in the same way, I believe when we choose to gorge ourselves and fill our, our appetites with things that are not life-giving, we watch endless amounts of Netflix and social media and fill our appetite with things that when we get to God and His delight, we have no appetite for Him. We've got to understand the consequences of that to the growth of our own lives. The second thing he says is not only will we have a delight, but we will meditate on it. Now the word meditate means to murmur. It's a preoccupation of thought. I, I love how one writer said it. He said it's thought mingled with our breath. And worry to us is the most common example of meditate. Because our mind begins to fixate on, on evidence, especially in 2020, on situations, perceptions, rumors. And we begin to meditate and brew on that. All the time, our minds are fixated and we play out the consequences and the predictions fatalistically into the future. And it becomes a magnet that believes that what is going to happen in the future is a reality. Why? Because we have, we have given life by meditation to the things we fix our minds on. And I want you to know that unless we begin to understand that our obsession in meditation is only a spillover of our desire, because you see, whatever you expect of the future is what you are meditating on today in the present. And when, when I begin to meditate on where I'm not planted, it will produce in me anxiety and fear and uncertainty and a, a fatalistic view of the future. But when I begin to have an appetite for God and His promises and I begin to meditate on what He said and He's faithful and He's true and He's seated in power and and he has never forsaken the righteous. And he's with us. And what can separate us from the love of God? If that becomes my obsession, what I expect of my tomorrow creates in me almost a, an expectation of being pregnant with hope and not dread. And it's not the outcome of your thoughts as much as it is the outcome of your focus, your meditation on what you are focusing on and where you are planted so I believe. There is a beautiful story in the book of Isaiah where the tree behind me is such a powerful symbol of what God was saying to Isaiah. He said to Isaiah, Isaiah, I have seen the people, the nation of Israel. They've become a people that are rebellious, which means they've placed their ultimate hope in other things, not in God. He calls it idolatry. He says, the second thing is, they have rebelled against me, which means they have broken away from me. They have become independent and self-sufficient. And they've neglected the plea of the poor, the widow, and orphan, and have turned their face away from injustice. I've pleaded with them. Isaiah, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to cut the nation down to stumps. Everything that they take their pride in, I'm going to cut it down to stumps. Not only stumps, but smoldering stumps. He says, but don't lose hope, Isaiah. 
Because out of the smoldering stumps, out of what looks destroyed, will come fresh new living shoot. And out of that shoot will come redemption and new hope. But Isaiah, what you're going to see is going to look like destruction in the season. Now, when I look at 2020, I cannot help but to hear the leaves are falling and the branches are breaking. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels like the axe has been laid to the tree worldwide. And never in my history of being alive on this planet has everything been cut down to the same size that big churches, small churches, governments, everything is experiencing the same cut down and we cannot control. We wish we could control what is. And, and when I look at this, I'm going, God, do you have another plan? Is there something that you want to destroy in order to rebuild? Because in the book of John 15, he says he cuts down not to destroy but to remove what is in the way for what is to come. And I want to look in this camera and tell you right now, unless you understand that what God is doing is motivated by his love, you'll get angry at the pruning instead of saying, thank you, God, for cutting away what is worthless so that it can make room for what is to come. But here is the thing that I want to ask you in this moment. When we look at this tree, so often when we look at the tree, we immediately identify ourselves with what has been destroyed and cut off. But you see, the hope of this tree is not in anything else but in the roots and the roots finding and staying in nourishing water. If the roots stay nourished, it gives life to the tree. Listen, no matter what it looks above the surface, the, the roots are the hope of the future of the new shoot that will come. And in a few generations, they will look at a magnificent tree, but not understanding the sacrifice of the roots that had to endure in the hardest time of it all. Let me give you one analogy and then I'm going to wrap this up. I have two adult kids. Uh, my son is 22 and my daughter is 25. The hardest moment or time or season in parenting my children was not when they were branches. When they were branches... Everything that gave life to them came out of my heart, my wife's heart, or out of our pockets. Uh, every bit of food came out of our pockets. Every gift came out of our pockets. Sometimes I felt like, don't say thank you to Santa. Say thank you to me. Santa is bankrupt without me. He's nothing. I'm Santa, right? Because I am and my wife is the life-giving power to the growth in the children. Every one of their dreams is because we are the enduring roots. Every bit of hope for their education and for their future, we are the very roots. We work harder. We sacrifice more. We stand in the wind. We stand in the hard times because we are the roots. But now that they've grown up, there comes a moment when you begin to realize, but wait a minute, they get paychecks. They cannot continue to be branches and simply take life from the roots. It's time for them to make the transition to become the root 
to the family tree that they are a part of. There is a moment when they can no longer use my credit card to give a satisfaction to their own dreams and souls. There is a moment where they've got to contribute to the food in the house, not just consume the food in the house. Because if they cannot make the transition, what the tree expect cannot be sustained by the roots that's in place. I want to say this to you in the same way in this season. Church family, this is so hard, the time that we are in. And I want you to know that there are people that want to remain branches. They want to remain leaves. They don't want to take the responsibility to make the transition and realize it's time for me to be root. It's time for me to know that the hope of the church in the future and the impact of the church in the future is not for me to sit around and criticize everything. And when there's free coffee and donuts, I just consume and I just want to get But it's time for me to say, God, I'm going to be part of digging a deeper well and finding water and and growing in hot seasons and times. I'm not going to complain about isolation. I'm going to be the reason why people are not isolated. God, in the midst of a declining economy, when, when finances are dropping, but the mission of Jesus goes on more powerful than ever, I'm not going to be the one that just consumes and be the one that sucks up the life from the tree. But God, Every single time this opportunity, I want to be the one that gives life to the tree. When it's time to worship, I'm not going to worship like a branch. I'm going to worship like a root, releasing that the glory of God in, in the atmosphere. And I'm going to do my part to stay nourished and sustained in this season. Because you see, God says this to Isaiah. In chapter 58, verse 12, after he said, and and this is in the voice paraphrase, after he says, Isaiah, I'm going to cut the nation down. I'm going to cut everything down, but it's not the end. It's just how I get to a new beginning. And what if I tell you that maybe what God is doing, he may not cause this, but what he's going to use is to cut down the arrogance of humanity and the, and the, and the self, self-centered, narcissistic, I'm in control of the world. Maybe he's doing all of that, but he's saying, if I don't have root people to sustain the tree, then both the tree and the roots will not survive. And he said this to Isaiah 58 verse 12. He says, Isaiah, you will discover there are people among you in the midst of all of this. People among you, uh, your own, who can rebuild this broken down city out of the ancient ruins. You will firm up its ancient foundations. And all around, others will call you the repairer of broken down walls and the rebuilder of livable streets. Oh, I want to just take a moment to look you in the eyes and say to you, Elevate Church, like the Father's House and so many other churches, we're sitting at a critical impasse right now. The Father's House is about to go into another lockdown. I believe you guys are in a lockdown. That's why I'm not standing in your pulpit. And it's in this season and this time where I want you to know that God's Spirit is looking for those who's among the crowd, who can make the transition to understand it's time for me to become part of the life-giving roots.
It's time for me to understand the world is not going to be rebuilt by others, but I am going to be a rebuilder of the ancient places. I'm going to be a rebuilder of the walls. I'm going to be the reason why there is hope in the future. And as you guys are preparing for your end, your giving and for your vision and for your work among the community where God has planted you, even though the growth ring may look small, let me say this, root people, God is counting us in this season not to be afraid, not to be timid, but to dig deeper in, in, in his word, to delight in him and to meditate on him, to be in community and to be in worship, to envelop our lives and what makes us people who are life Give us to where we are. And I pray that as you look at the church, that you will not look to the church through the eyes of an unbelieving world, but that you would say, God, I'm going to be the root planted by the streams of water. In a couple of years, they will talk about the season and look what God has done. And I will know that I was part of the rebuilding. I was part of the life-giving. I was part of the sustaining. I was part of the sacrificing because the Bible says, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed beg for bread. Listen, God has a vested interest in people who are roots. God has a vested interest to bless you and sustain you. God has a vested interest to ensure that your life is ongoing and flourishing. And the invite today, as I look you in the eyes, is to make the transition. Is to say, man, it is time. It's time I cannot be 42 and live in the basement and just eat all the food upstairs and my parents carry the burden and I carry the joy. It is time for me as a follower of Jesus and it's not age dependent. It is maturity dependent that I'm going to be part, that my story will be written, that after the pandemic and the cutting down, that my name is written and mentioned as a rebuilder of the wall. When you read the book of Nehemiah, all the people who rebuilt the walls, their names are listed. It's one of the most boring chapters in the Bible to read because it's names that I cannot pronounce. But you know why there's names that I cannot pronounce? Because God deems it so important to put it down as a testimony for all to read. That those who chose Peer and Marlies, Duplessis and family were the rebuilders and the roots that gave life. That was giving life to what was cut down so it can become livable cities again. And the glory of God can fill the earth. Man, as I was driving in, that song spoke so clearly to my heart. He says, if darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unending grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds in the veil. I believe my, my anchor is rooted in the delight of Christ. Then he says, Christ alone, cornerstone. Weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, he is the Lord of all. My prayer, Elevate Church, is that you will make the transition. That you will become a life giver, not just a life 
absorber. That you will begin to meditate on the promises of God. Because what was and what will be is already with God. And I want you to know it's not the end. It's only a very strained line of a bigger story. And one day when we stand before God, the Bible says that he who endures till the end will receive the crown of life. That when God look at our lives, he will see 2020. And he will say, well done, faithful servant. Because you became a life giver to my church, to my work on the earth. Well done, faithful servant. May God bless you. May God keep you. May the spirit of the living God empower you to dismantle selfishness and self-absorb and the narcissistic nature of the world. And may you become a life-giving parent to the future shoots that will grow out of the sustaining roots. Father, thank you that you speak to our hearts and you remind us that we are the people that you've ignited to make the transition of being rooted and life-giving to what you are planning through your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.